Let's give it up for our online campus right now. I know there's many more that are there, so we're excited that you guys are here. Um, if you're taking notes, and we highly encourage that each and every week, we're going to have a good time today. We're going to have a lot of fun, a lot of practical uh, conversation about relationships today. Um, but you can title the message, They Drive Me Crazy. Anybody ever felt that in your relationship? Come on, the rest of you are lying. Right now, Jesus, Revelation 21.8. I just pray forgiveness. No, um, they drive me crazy. We're going to hang out in James chapter 1 mostly today. James chapter 1. Listen, each and every year, this series is really, really powerful. We've had amazing things. So we've, we're, our church is nine years old, and for nine years, we've been doing a relationship series this month. I don't know. It's something about Valentine's Day. I don't know. Whatever. Um, and so we do a series, and we have amazing things that take place. We've had people walk in with divorce papers that they were about to sign, and then they walk out deciding that God has restored their marriage, and their marriage is better now than it ever was. True story. Come on. Come on. You know, we've had things like that. We've had all kinds of, we've had people come in that are having a hard time having a baby. We'll pray, we've prayed over them and seen them get pregnant within that year. Uh, so many things going on. But there's something that happened this year that has never happened to me in the middle of a relationship series. It was, it was history. I mean, history in the making. You, Radiate Church, were part of history uh, this, this week. I've never had somebody walk up to me and go, Pastor, and I'm taking the credit. <laughs> I mean, God gets most of it, but I get the second half of it, all right? Walk up to that's right, preaching good. Come on, changing lives forever, Marty. He said, I've never had somebody come up to me and go, Hey, Pastor, will you marry me on Thursday? Like, not proposing to me. I mean, like, <laughs> I'm married, all right? I mean, they were already engaged, and they were like, hey, we're just tired of waiting. Let's get married on Thursday. So Pastor Chris and Hope got married Thursday night. Come on. Come on, somebody. He's a married man. His family's like, praise God. Hallelujah. They got married on Thursday. Hope is in the broadcast room each and every week. She is excited, and she's already hiding from him. And uh, we, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, it, they got married on Thursday night. They've been engaged, and they were like, you know what? It's time. Let's just go ahead and do it. They're like, Pastor, can you marry us? I was like, I mean, uh, yeah, I, can I say no? I don't, you know, it's because of the series. It's because of me. So, I mean, I've got to be there, right? No, we're so excited uh, for you guys, and, and, and God's doing amazing things. We're, we're looking forward to your future. So, happy three days, you newlyweds. <laughs> we are excited. Excited for you. So week one, we talked about dropping the baggage of our past. In week two, uh, we talked about how to still be the one. And this week, we're talking about the fact of how to fight fair. Has anybody in the room, anybody at home, I know I can't be the only person, and even if I am, lie and make me feel good about myself. Has anybody besides me ever gotten in an argument or a fight with somebody you love, and you forget what you're fighting about about halfway through. But you have to continue fighting because somebody has to be right at the end of the argument. Anybody in the room, when praise God, right there, my man, he said, I got you, Pastor, right there. Listen, I do it, y'all. It is ridiculous. First of all, I can't remember much anyway, and so we'll get halfway through it. Y'all, this is a true story. I was asking my wife, so I, my wife helps me write my messages a lot. She gives me great content, and 
And uh, I get to bounce the ideas off of her, and she gets to tell me, that doesn't even make sense. Why are you talking about that? You know, all these things, and I have to, like, she helps me a lot. And so I said, hey, babe, I said, tell me about a time where we had a funny argument, like a, a funny one. Like, it was just so ridiculous. And here's what she said, y'all. I can't believe her. Like, this offends me talking about it to you. She said the best arguments we've had are the arguments where you're wrong. First of all, that ain't funny for anybody. And it never happens. I was wrong once, and it's when I thought it was wrong. Get it out. I was wrong about me. All right, anyway. So she said, when you were wrong, but you wouldn't admit you were wrong, and you couldn't stop arguing your point because you couldn't admit you were wrong because if you admitted you were wrong, that admitted I was right, and you were too prideful for that. And I was like, first of all, that, that was an attack. And I'm not feeling that right now. Y'all, we got in an argument about funny arguments that we've gotten into in our lives this week. In the kitchen, standing there. Because I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. And she proceeded. How dare her to tell me about five arguments where I did that? <laughs> Pastor Travis, you ever do that? No? Ashley? I should ask Ashley. Ashley, he does that? All right. Ashley just punches him in the face and walks off. But we're, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, we all get an argument. It doesn't matter if you've been married three days where you're in the honeymoon phase, and you're like, we'll never fight. You wake up, and you're like, her breath doesn't stink. She wakes up and is like, he doesn't have to trim his nose hairs. You know, a week later, it's like, trim your nose hairs. Like, all this stuff. Here's the truth about relationships. You're going to fight. You're going to argue. You're going to disagree. And you're going to have frustrations. There's going to be moments where you're going to look at him and go, just the sight of your face annoys me right now. Anybody... <laughs> That was a good amen right there. That was from the soul. She said, amen. That was one that happened in the car on the, on the way in. Right? We, you're gonna, it's going to happen. It's not a matter of if. It's a matter of when. And it's a matter of how you handle it when it does take place. It's a matter of how are you going to mature to a point to where you fight fair when they drive you crazy. That was good. Healthy couples, I told you we were going to have fun today. Healthy couples fight clean. They fight fair. Healthy couples figure out how to fight clean. Unhealthy couples fight dirty. Unhealthy couples are the ones that take you out at the knees and don't care about the ramifications on the other side. Right? That, that, that's an unhealthy couple. Healthy couples work for solutions and resolutions. Right? They try to figure out how to fix the root problem. So there's not a continual fruit problem. So there's not continual issues you got to work through. Healthy couples try to figure out the deeper stuff. Unhealthy couples fight to be right for their right to party. That's what <laughs> Healthy couples fight to be right. Unhealthy couples, I mean unhealthy couples fight to be right. Healthy couples fight for solutions and and and, and figuring out how to fix the problem, the question isn't what if it's going to happen. The question is how are you going to handle it when it does. And actually, I let, this is part of why I love the Bible so much. The Bible talks to us about a lot of things that we think the Bible doesn't talk to us about. The Bible gives us some God rules on how to fight fair. 
and how to do this correctly and do it God-honoring, how to do it person-honoring. In James chapter 1, James chapter 1, James is probably my all-time favorite book in the Bible. I love the book of James because it's very straightforward. If you want to know what it looks like to live a life for Christ, go read the book of James because he's the kind of guy that's going to throw haymakers the entire time and not really care if you like him on the other side of it. I love the book of James. It's a short book. It's a powerful book. It's a challenging book. But in verses 19 and 20 of James chapter 1, he writes this. He says, the half-brother of Jesus says this. This you know, my beloved brethren. But everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man... We need to hear... Some of us need to hear this today. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Some people, and even me included, have made this statement and feel this way, right? It's this comment. I just get angry fast. Like, it's just kind of how I am. It's how I've been brought up. It's how I live my life. Can I, t like, James very, he doesn't even pull punches. He just goes, hey, the anger of man doesn't achieve the righteousness of God. You can't be angry and righteous at the same time. You can't hold on to anger and righteousness at the same time. It's one or the other. It's a very challenging statement from James. He's teaching us something powerful here. So I got three points, three points on how to fight God's rules for fighting fair found in James chapter 1. The first one is this, stop and listen. Stop and listen. In verse 19, he says this, but everyone, everybody say everyone. 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 Do you know who everyone includes? You. You. And me, he says, everyone must be quick, quick to hear. Quick to hear? What does that mean? Quick to hear. This is a conversation in my house, way more than it should be. I should probably listen to my wife more often than I should. Right? I'm just going to be transparent as your pastor. Right? I, I love reading things on my phone. Right? Like I love, it's not even that I'm, I'm like I'm reading articles or I'm reading about the Gamecocks, or I'm reading about how, how Clemson has dumb colors, and I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. It's a joke, it's a joke. My neighbor's here, he's a Clemson fan, I pray for him every day. And um, so we, we, I'm reading that, I'm reading articles, I'm learning, I'm doing this, I'm watching video, whatever it is, right? And Megan, my beautiful, incredible honey bunches of oats, my wife, the love of my life, thinks the moment that I'm reading something is the very moment to tell me something. Does anybody else feel that way? Can I just tell you, it's not the best moment to tell me anything. And so we have this conversation. She'll be talking and I'll be reading. And she'll go, you know what? I'm not even going to finish my statement. Because you're not listening anyway. And I'll be like, oh, I heard every word you said. And then the dreaded follow-up comes up. Well, then what did I say? And I'm caught. And so I look at her and I say this. You said you weren't going to finish your statement anyway because I wasn't listening. <laughs> right? Gets me in more trouble. But she's right. She's right. I can't pay attention to what she's saying at the same time as reading my phone or whatever I'm doing in the moment. Right? 
I've got to pick one or the other because if I would rather read my phone than listen to what my bride is telling me, then what I'm saying is, is I'm devaluing your voice and overvaluing the words on the screen. I would rather know what they have to say to me than what you have to say to me. And so we have to learn something that James talks about in, 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 in James chapter 1, verse 19. And, and, and honestly, watch this in Proverbs 18 and 2. I got a gut punch on this very topic because I, I, I kind of got this mind that's always racing and always moving and always doing and, and, you know, it's on to the next thing. I'm always on to the next thing. So listening can be a difficult thing for me sometimes. And Proverbs 18 and 2 gave me a gut punch this week. It says this. He says, a fool. I ain't no fool. I pity the fool. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about, you 80s kids. A fool does not delight in understanding, but only in revealing his own mind. Whoa. And the writer here, he basically looks and says, if you're more worried about listening to respond then listening to understand, you're acting like a fool. So the first thing we got to pull from this is we got to stop listening to respond and start listening to understand. See, that's a, that's a, that's a powerful thought. That's a powerful statement. That's a powerful truth that we need to grasp a hold of because they're not the same thing. Because when we listen to respond, we only hear key phrases that we can argue against and poke holes in the theories of. But when we listen to understand, we try to get down to the heart of the issue and the, and the soul of the matter and go, what are you really trying to tell me right now? What are you really trying to speak to me? Because whenever she says, whenever, it, truthfully, I, it's taken me 12 years to realize this, but the truth of the matter is, is when she goes, I'm not even going to finish my statement because you're not listening anyway, it's really not anger at the phone. It's a devaluation of what she's trying to say. And she feels like what she says to me doesn't matter. And my job is to make sure that she knows that everything that she does is my utmost importance and is valuable to me. And so sometimes I need to be quick to hear. I need to stop what I'm doing. I need to put the phone down. I need to close the book. I need to stop doing this. I need to stop doing that. And I need to look her in her eye and try to hear what she's actually saying. I need to listen to what she's saying. Not just hear her words, but try to listen to her heart. I need to listen to understand, not listen to respond. Number one is I need to stop to listen. Number two is found in James chapter 1, verse 19. He goes on. He says, everyone must be quick to hear and slow to speak. Here's another difficult one, right? We need to guard our words carefully. Guard our words carefully. Like, we need to watch what we say and when we say it. And here's another one that I get in my house all the time. I feel like this is just counseling for me at this point, right? I'm just going to be trying. This is what I get. Brandon, it's not what you said that was the problem. Y'all just finished the statement. Come on. It's not what you say, but... How you say it that matters. And I'm like, how I say it? What are you talking about how I say it? I just said it. And she's like, yes, and that's the problem. <laughs> okay. Because, because here's the truth. Watch. Do you know why there's arguments and disagreements in marriages and in relationships? 
Because it's two different personalities coming together, learning how to learn, live, and love, and coexist together. It's going to happen. There's no way around it. It's just part of life. But I need to guard my words carefully. In Proverbs, go back to Proverbs, chapter 21. Proverbs 21, in verse 23, it says this. He who guards his mouth and his tongue, watch this, guards his soul from trouble. Well, that, that, that escalated quickly. He didn't say, if you guard your mouth and your tongue, then your wife will be happy with you. It'll guard your relationship. No, he said it'll guard your soul from trouble. What does that mean? Your soul is the connection, your eternal connection to, the, to God. And to eternity. See, you're not a body with a soul. You're a soul with a body. And so when he says, it'll guard your soul from trouble, he's saying, watch this. <laughs> the things you say, if you're not careful, can cause an ache deep down in your soul that takes a while to heal. What is a soul ache? What is a soul hurt? What is a soul trouble? Have, have you ever, maybe some of you have never felt this, and, and, and I applaud you, but if you have ever done or said or acted in ways and you lay down at night, right? It's not the nagging, like, you're no good feeling. It's just this deep ache on the inside that you're like, man, there's something about that that just needs some some heat, like it's deep down. It's not this superficial thought, but a deep soul ache. You know what I'm saying? That's your soul going, man, there's something troubled within me right now. It's the when you got the big decision and it like can affect your eternity. It can affect your destiny. It can affect the way that you go on this earth and you're tossing and turning and you're fighting between two things. And there's this, this deep troubling feeling on the inside. That's a soul ache. And here's what the writer in Proverbs chapter 21 and 23 is telling us. He's saying, what you say, if you're not careful, can cause such a deep ache on the inside that you've got to figure out how to untrouble your soul or, or their soul. What if what you say troubles their soul? That's tough. And here's the thing that's tough about that for me. I think i got a lot to say. And I think it's great. And I think everybody needs to hear it. But watch this. The problem is, is that if I say something about everything, I say nothing about anything. Because nobody really knows when to take me serious or when not. If I come back and I'm talking about her shoes and her hair and this and that about her or him and I'm doing all that, and then all of a sudden I go, and this is what the Lord spoke to me. Well, why should I listen to that? Because you just tore down one of his kids, but now you're so super spiritual that his spirit's telling you what to say? If I say something about everything, I'm probably saying nothing about anything. i got to guard my words and my tongue, and that takes work. Here's two questions, right? Two questions you can ask yourself before you say something. Like, train these in your mind. The first one is this. Should it be said... Should it be said? Is it even beneficial for me to say it? Like if I look at her and go, your hair is ugly. <laughs> I didn't answer that one for you. <laughs> no, it shouldn't be said. Right? Should it be said? Or watch this. If you go, yeah, it should be said. Should it be said now? 
Because sometimes in the middle of conflict is the worst time to say something. I have the worst word vomit. When I get fired up, I just say things. I'm just like, oh, yeah? Oh, yeah? Well, blah, 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 blah. And there's times where I go back. You ever said something, and as soon as you say it, it leaves your mouth, and you go, oh, you're dumb. Or you're like, I mean, like the last syllable comes out. It's like, hey, kids, why don't you go to your room for a minute? This is about to be bad for daddy. Right? Should it be said... And should it be said now? Guard your words. Here's six ways to guard your words, right? Six ways to guard your words. Number one, I'm going to give them very quickly. So if you want to write them down, great. If you want to go back and listen to it and do it, uh, write them down then, that's fine. Never call names. Just never call names. Don't call each other names. We're, we're, we're adults, okay? We're adults. We're doing this as adults. We're going to be mature Christians. Let's don't go back to middle school. Just don't call names. Just leave names out of it. Like, don't call names. Never raise your voice. I have something called preacher voiceitis. I don't know if you've noticed. Maybe you've been here long enough. I raise my voice a lot. And I, just, I don't even think about it. And when I'm home, watch this. I'll raise my voice, and the kids are like, Dad, why are you yelling about that? And I'm like, I don't know. I get the preacher voice, right? I, I just... I got, when I get passionate, I just raise my voice and I get deep. And I'm like, yeah. I'll do it when I'm watching the Gamecocks. Praise God, touchdown, let's go. Right? Because we don't get them very often, so you have to praise God when you do it. (laughs) Celebrate. Never call names. Never raise your voice. All raising your voice does is escalate emotions. Let's be careful with that. Never get historical. Like, let the history be the history. Every person in this room today, 5 to 105 years old, doesn't even matter. Every person watching online, you've got something in your past that you don't want anybody to remember. You don't. We all have that. Don't bring up the past. Let the past live in the past. Right? Never get historical. Never say these two words. Never say never and always. Right? Literally, this week, I said something to my wife. I had already written these notes. I love it when this happens. I said, you always do that. And she goes, oh, really? Always, huh? Like every single time, 100%. It's when you do it. I do it 100% of the time. And I'm like, no, you know what I mean. She's like, no, 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 you said always. (sighs) Because the truth is, it never is always. It's never 100% of the time. Don't even use those words because it makes them feel like a complete failure always. Don't, 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 don't use those two, uh, uh, those two words. Watch this. Never threaten divorce. In the middle of a fight, never look at them and go, you can either get your junk together or get out. Don't, don't do that. We're in this thing together forever. Now, I understand there's extenuating circumstances that are dangerous to the people, and those are the moments you need to get law officers involved and counselors involved, and you need to get yourself safe, and you need to be okay. But I'm just telling you, don't threaten divorce in those moments. Just because you're having a disagreement doesn't mean that you're having a disengagement from life. Like, just stick it out. Fight it out. Be there. Remember two weeks ago, I said, we need the, each person, we need somebody that fights for us, not against us. We need people that fight for us. Fight together. And then here's maybe the most important one. Never quote your pastor during a fight. (laughs) 
appreciate that. Write that one down. Circle it, highlight it. Never quote your pastor during a fight. Number three, the last point, found in James chapter 1, verse 19, is to handle your anger righteously. Handle your anger righteously. Verse 19, he says this. He says, be quick to hear, slow to speak, and be slow to anger. In fact, um, Ephesians chapter 4, you know, uh, Ephesians chapter 4. Oh, that's first, Second Corinthians. Not what I was going for. Throw it on the screen for me. Ephesians 4, 26 and 27 says this. Be angry, and yet do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Verse 27. And do not give the uh, devil an opportunity. So watch this. He's teaching he, a point. He's going, be angry. Anger, watch this. I'm going to teach you something. I used to think if I ever got angry, I was probably going to hell, and I was a terrible person, and God didn't love me. Watch this. Anger is a human emotion. You're going to feel angry at some point. Anger isn't the problem. Handling it the right way can be. He says, be angry. Feel, feel the emotion. Feel that. Feel what you're going through right now. Like, be angry, but don't sin. Don't let the sun go down on it. Hey, don't go to, like, you may not sleep for five days. You may lay back to back for a couple days. You may not even, like, look each other in the eye. But don't let the sun go down in your anger. And here's why that's important. Because every moment that we just allow anger to build up without being dealt with, it creates a callus in us. And then the next thing that comes up, it's like, well, this happened again. Here we go. And there's another level. And then there's another level, and then there's another level, and it's on top of each other. And before we know it, 10 years down the road, we wake up and we go, I just don't feel connected anymore. I just don't feel like you love me. There's no sex. There's no care. There's apathy. There's no compassion. There's no prayer. There's no, we go to church, but we don't engage in church together. Like, you following me? Why? It goes back to 10 years ago when we let the anger build up and never dealt with it, and it just created a wall. And then the next one, the exact same thing, and the same thing. It's always something that builds on the other. Be angry. Feel the emotion. Be frustrated. Be aggravated. Be annoyed. Be Whatever that is, like, be those things, but don't let it build a wall between you and your spouse. Don't let it build those things, like... Get mad, get angry, but deal with the problem. Deal with the root. Look at them and go, hey, listen. Because some of us need to just go, hey, i got to back off for a minute. But we do need to talk about it. I just can't talk about it right now because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to raise my voice. I'm gonna do, like, it's going to escalate, and I don't want to do that. But we do need to talk about the issue. Never let anger create a callous or a separation between you and your loved one. Here's four ways to know that you aren't fighting fair, and we'll go through these quickly, too. Number one is uh, you're criticizing. You're overly criticizing. You know what I'm saying. Like, you're aggravated, you're in the middle of a fight, and you're like, yeah, well, you never fill up the gas tank. I've had that conversation 794 different times. Every time I get in the van, the gas light's on. We were joking about it the other day. I looked at her, and I was like, don't call me when you run out of gas. She goes, that's fine. The church will be there for me. Touche. We have fun, fun little 
little back and forth like that. Like, if you're overly criticizing, you're not fighting fair. You're really not. Here's another one. Contempt. So if there's disgust and like eye rolling and if you're like nee, 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 mocking somebody, listen, you're not fighting fair. That's, that's, that's a very dangerous place to get into, right? Defensiveness. It's not me, it's you. Here's what you continue to do. It's issues. There's probably a deeper, deeper problem there. You're not fighting fair. Here's the last one. Stonewalling. You tune them out. You shut them down. You know, you just kind of create that wall and you're like, mm. like, that's not fighting fair. And watch this. You know, scientists say 85% of the time when stonewalling happens, it happens with the, with the husband. It's the male doing it. You got to fight fair. Let's do this thing right. Let me, let me show you. I want to try to show you a little bit of what would happen if we flipped the script and we went from fighting against each other to fighting with each other. Like fighting for the marriage. I, I got Pastor Travis and Ashley, and I'm going to ask them to come on up to the stage for me. Y'all give it up for, for them. Thank you, sir. Appreciate you. Right? So here's what I want you to do. Like, y'all remember uh, uh, tug of war back in the day, right? And, and you'd take that in, and you'd kind of wrap it around you. Go ahead. That's when you pick it up and wrap it around you. Just kind of wrap it around you or whatever, right? Tug of war back in the day. Some of you are still elementary school teachers, and you'd take that, and you'd wrap, you'd wrap it around you, and there was an anchor, right? And that was the person that did this. And then you'd have people, uh, you know, two or three people on the same team, and they'd, they'd grab it with you, right? And what would you do? This is what I'd always do. I always told my team, and Travis, I know how competitive you are. I know you probably took a shovel out and did this right here. But you'd always dig, dig your heels in, right? Did you, you remember doing that? You dig your heels in so that you could get that leverage and you could get a little bit of leverage in that thing. And so you take that, y'all straighten that thing out. Y'all go, listen, y'all gonna tug a war today. Let's go. We're gonna find out what's going on between y'all. Y'all worked out yesterday. Let's see who's the most sore. On this side of it for sure. <laughs> All right. So you take it and kind of, you take that thing and you'd lean back, right? And you'd, you'd put your feet in those ruts. And as you're doing it, y'all just pull back and forth a little bit. And you're just pulling. Yeah, go ahead. All right, go ahead. You're gonna get in trouble. And, you know, you just pull in that thing and you're fighting against it. And the more you pull, and the longer you, <laughs> and the longer you played tug of war, what happened? The deeper the ruts got. Why? Because you're digging even more. Because you're, you're pulling harder than you've ever pulled. Because you're trying to beat the other person. Because you're trying to get that leverage that allows you to win from that side of the aisle. But what would happen if Travis would lay down his side of the rope and come over here and join Ashley on this side of the rope? And now, no matter what they're fighting against, here's what's happening in our marriages today, is we're creating ruts against each other so that she's got leverage against him while they're against each other on separate sides of the rope. But what would happen if whenever there's a moment that now there's something that's fighting against our marriage and there's something, don't you do it. <laughs> I see it coming. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> I, I still got to preach. <laughs> but like, what would happen is we see what's coming against our marriage, and it's got maybe a little bit of leverage, but now instead of fighting against each other with the thing, they're coming and pulling against what's coming for, against them. 
They're pulling what's against them instead of against each other. They're not creating ruts against one another. They're creating ruts against the thing that's keeping them out of church. They're creating ruts that's keeping them out of being a godly mom and a godly dad. They're, keeping, they're creating ruts against the thing that's trying to keep them from being what everything that God intended them to be. And now the ruts have switched from ruts that now give me leverage against you to where now you guys are creating ruts that are creating leverage against the thing. It would change marriages everywhere. Thank you, guys. It would change marriages in the church. It would change marriages in the world. It would change marriages everywhere we go. Why? Simply because we aren't fighting against, we aren't pulling against, we aren't rutting against, we are for, and we're in this thing, and you get in the rut with me. I won't get in a rut, but I'll get in a foxhole with you, and we'll fight, and we'll shoot this thing out against the enemy that's trying to keep us from being our best self. That would change everything. How do I know that? Because marriage is symbolic of the relationship God has with us. Watch this. I think it would change our mindsets and would help us realize this one last thought today. We are called to be helpmates, not hurtmates. I've heard women use this, but I think it's both sides. We are called to be helpmates, help each other. Go read Ephesians chapter 5, the whole thing. And it teaches us, men, our job is to help present her holy and blameless before the Lord. And it teaches that wives, your job is to support that endeavor and help, help, help become the best we can be. And if we do that and we become helpmates instead of hurtmates, we're not... We're not pulling against each other. Now we're pulling with each other when we fight fair. And I know that the relationship God has with us is so symbolic of marriage across. In fact, he calls us the bride. He calls his church, which are his kids, the bride of Christ. It's symbolic of the way he wants marriages to look. Selfless loving unconditionally, forgiving and grace-filled, not holding a record of wrongs, but believing the best in one another. Because that's what he does for you individually. No matter if you've been in a previous marriage and it didn't work and you called it quits, no matter if you're in a marriage right now that you don't know if it's going to last, no matter if you're going to be in a marriage in the future, what I know is God still loves you. And he still called us to be helpmates to our spouse starting today. And I thought there was no better way to do this today than to pray over couples. And I know some of you are like, well, I'm not a couple. I'm by myself. I'm still single. I hadn't found the one. I'm still learning how to be the one. That's okay. You, we can still pray over you today too as you take this and go, I'm going to learn how to fight fair before I even get in that relationship and have to figure it out on the fly. I wish I'd have learned how to do it years ago because I still struggle with it. I'm a hard-headed 37-year-old man. So can we just bow our heads right where we are and just go, 
if you're in this room and you'd go, you know what? And you're married and you're sitting with your spouse and you know this is the moment, this is the day, this is the time, this message, we got to figure this thing out. Would you, would you grab your spouse's hand and just kind of, just barely lift it up, just a little bit, maybe shoulder high. Or something. I just want to see some people in the room, all over the room. Yeah, I want to be better at this. I want to do it God-honoringly. I want to do it right. And then, if you're single and you're like, I want to live this thing out now, I don't care if you're in high school, I don't care, whatever, but I want to live this thing out now, I want to figure it out now, would you just raise your hand up right where you are? Amen. All over the room. I just want to pray over you. As you're at home today, I want to pray over you too because the Spirit is omnipresent. He's everywhere. Father, we honor you. We worship you. And God, today I thank you that we have God rules on how to fight fair, how to do this thing correctly, that we have biblical advice and counsel on how to have a God-honoring marriage. And God, we know we're going to disagree there's going to be these moments where they drive us crazy. And God, truthfully, there's moments where we individually drive you crazy. But you embrace us, and you love us, and you forgive us, and you're with us, and we're grateful for that. Help us learn, no matter how old or young we are, help us learn how to be the husband and the wife we should be in our current marriage or the marriage that is to come. We honor you. And God, I thank you for what you're doing because we love you. In your name we pray.